The fear had mostly swept out of me, but as I walked from the cafeteria to history class, I couldn't stop myself from taking out my phone and rereading the horror story that is the human micro microbiota Wikipedia article. I was reading and walking when I heard my mother shout at me through her open classroom door. She was seated behind her metal desk, leaning over a book. My mom was a math teacher, but reading was her great love. No phones in the hallway, Aza. I put away my, I put my phone away and went into her classroom. There are four minutes remaining in my lunch period, which is the perfect length length for a conversation. She looked up and must have seen something in my eyes. You okay? She said. Yeah, I said. You're not anxious? She asked. At some point, Dr. Singh had told my mom not to ask if I was feeling anxious, so she stopped phrasing it as a direct question. <laughs> Great mom move. <laughs> I'm fine. You've been taking your meds, she said. Again, not a direct question. Yeah, I said, which was broadly true. I had a bit of a crack up my freshman year, after which I was prescribed a circular white pill to be taken once daily. I took it, on average, maybe thrice weekly. You look sweaty, is what I knew she meant. Who decides when the bell rings? When the bells ring, I ask, like the school bells. You know what? I have no idea. I suppose that's decided by someone on the superintendent's staff. Like why? Like why are lunch periods thirty-seven minutes long instead of fifty, or twenty-two, or whatever? Your brain seems like an like a very intense place. Mom answered. It's just weird how this was decided by someone I don't know, and then I have to live by it. Like, I live on someone else's schedule, and I've never even met them. Yes, well, in that respect, and many others, American high schools do rather, do rather resemble prisons. My eyes widened. Oh my god, mom, you're so right. The metal detectors, the cinder block walls, they're both over overcrowded and underfunded, my mom said. And both have bells that ring to tell you when you need to move. And you don't get to choose when you eat lunch, I said. And the prisons ha have, <laughs> and the prisons have power-thirsty, corrupt guards, just like schools have teachers. She shot me a look, but then started laughing. You headed straight home after school. Yeah. Then I gotta take Daisy to work. Mom nodded. Sometimes I miss you being a little kid, but then I remember Chuck E. Cheese. She's not trying to save money for college. My mom glanced down at her, back down at her book. You know, if we lived in Europe, college wouldn't cost that much. I braced myself for mom's cost of college rant. rant. There are free universities in Brazil, most of Europe, China, but here they want to charge you $25,000 a year for in-state tuition. I just finished paying off my loans a few years ago and soon we'll have to take out ones for you. I'm only a junior. I've got plenty of time to win the lottery, and if that doesn't work, I'll just pay for school by selling meth. She smiled wanly. Mom really worried about paying for me to go to school. You sure you're okay? She asked. I nodded as the bell sounded from on high, sending me to history. By the time I'd made it, 
to my car after school. Daisy was already in the passenger seat. She had changed out of the stained shirt. She'd be wearing it. She was. She had been wearing into her red Chuck E. Cheese polo, and she was sitting with her backpack in her lap, drinking a container of school milk. Daisy was the only person I trusted with a key to Harold. The car. Oh my God. Mom didn't even have a car to Harold, but Daisy did. Please do not drink non non clear liquids in Harold's. I told her. Milk is a clear liquid, she said. Lies, I answered before I, before we set off. I drove Harold over to the front entrance and waited while Daisy threw away her milk. Maybe you've been in love. I mean real love. The kind my grandmother used to describe by quoting Apostles Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. The love that is kind and patient, that does not envy or boast, that beareth all things and believeth, believeth all things that are endureth all things. I don't like to throw the L word around. Lesbian. It's too good and rare, a feeling to cheapen it with overuse. You cannot live a good life without ever knowing real love of the Corinthian variety. Oh, sorry. You cannot live. You cannot live a good life without ever knowing of real love of the Corinthian variety but I was f- fortunate to have found it with Harold he was a 16 year old Toyota Corolla with a paint color called Mystic Teal oh, Mystic Teal Mica and an engine that clanked in a steady rhythm like the beating of his immaculate metallic heart Harold had been my dad's car in fact dad named him Harold my mom never sold him so he stayed in the garage for eight years until my 16th birthday. Getting Harold's engine. Getting Harold's engine running after so long took all of the of my four of the $400 I'd saved over the course of my life. Allowances change faded away when mom sent me down the street to buy something at Circle K. Summer work, summer work at Subway. Christmas gifts of my grandparents. So in a way, Harold was the accumulation of my whole being, at least financially speaking, and I loved him. I dreamed about him quite a lot. He had an exceptionally spacious trunk, a custom a custom installed huge white steering wheel, and a back bench clad in pebble beige, pebble beige leather. He accelerated with the gentle serenity of the Buddhist Zen master who knows nothing really needs to be done quickly, and his brakes wind like metal machine music, and I loved him. However, Harold did not have Bluetooth connectivity, or for that matter, a CD player, meaning that in Harold's company, we had only three choices. One, drive in silence. Two, listen to the radio. Or three, listen to B-side of my dad's cassette of Missy Elliott's excellent album, So Addictive, which, because it would not eject from the cassette player, I'd already heard hundreds of times in my life. And in the end, Harold's imperfect imperfect audio system happened to be the last note in the melody of the consciousness that changed my life. Daisy and I were scanning stations in the in the search <laughs> in the search of a song by a particular brilliant and unappreciated boy band when we landed up upon a news story. Indianapolis-based Pickett Engineering, 
a construction firm employing more than 10,000 people worldwide. Today, I moved my hand towards the scan button, but Daisy pushed it away. This is what I was telling you about, she said, and the radio continued. $100,000 reward for information leading to the whereabouts of the company CEO, Russell Pickett. Pickett, who disappeared the night before a police raid on his home related to fraud and bribery investigation, was last seen at his Riverside compound on September 8th. Anyone with information regarding his whereabouts is encouraged to call the Indiana- <laughs> Indianapolis Police Department. $100,000, Daisy said. And you, Noah's kid, knew, I said, for two summers in fifth and sixth grade, after fifth and sixth grades, Davis and I had gone to the sad, to sad camp together, which is what we'd called Camp Sparrow. This place down in prime country for kids with dead parents. Aside from hanging out together at sad camp, Davis and I would also sometimes see each other during the school year. Because he lived just down the river from me, but on the opposite bank. Mom and I lived on the side that sometimes flooded. The pickets lived on the side with the gun gable with the, st- <laughs> the stone gabled walls that forced the rising water in our direction. He probably wouldn't even remember me. Everyone remembers you, Holmesy, she said. That's not it's not a value judgment. That's not a value judgment. I'm not saying you're good or generous or kind or whatever. I'm just saying you're memorable. I haven't seen him in years, I said. But of course you don't forget playmates at a mansion that contained a golf course, a pool with an island, and five water slides. Davis was the closest thing to a proper was the closest thing to a proper celebrity I've ever encountered. One hundred thousand dollars, Daisy said again. We pulled into I-465, the beltway that circumcides, that circumscribes Indianapolis. <laughs> oh my god. I'm fixing ski ball machines for, for 8.40 an hour, and there's a hundred grand waiting for us. Oh my gosh. I wouldn't say waiting for us. Anyway, I had to read about the effects of smallpox on indigenous populations tonight, so I can't really solve the case of the fugitive billionaire. I eased eased Harold to the highway speed. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm struggling. I've never driven him faster than the speed limit. I loved him too much. Well, you know him better than I do. So to quote the infallible boys in the world's greatest pop group You're the One which was the super cheesy song I was way too old to love but loved nonetheless I want to disagree with you but that is such a great song You are the one You're the one that I chose You're the one I'll never lose You're the you're my forever My star is my sky, my air, it's you We left and I changed the radio station and thought it was over but then Daisy started reading me the Indianapolis Star story from her phone. Russell Pickett, the controversial CEO and founder of the Pickett of Pickett Engineering, was at home when a search warrant was served by the Indianapolis Police Department Police Department Friday morning. 
and he was he hasn't been seen home since. Pickett's lawyer, Simon Morris, says he has no information about Pickett's whereabouts, and in a press conference today, Detective Dwight Allen said that there is no activity in Pickett's credit cards and bank accounts has been noted since the evening before the raid. Blah, blah, blah. Allen also asserted that, the, that aside from the camera at the front gate, there is no surveillance cameras on the property. A copy of the police report obtained by the star says that Pickett was last seen Thursday evening by his sons, Davis and Noah. Blah, blah, blah. Estate just north of 38th Street. Lots of lawsuits. Supports the zoo. Blah, blah, blah. Call the police if you know anything. Blah, blah, blah. Wait. How are you... How are there no security cameras? What kind of billionaire doesn't have security cameras? The kind that doesn't want his shady business recorded, I said. As we drove, I kept turning the story over in my head. I knew some edge of it was jagged, but I couldn't figure out which one, until I snagged a memory of eerie green coyotes with white eyes. Wait, there was a camera. Not a security one. Not a security one, but Davis and his brother had a motion capture camera in the woods by the river. It had, like, night vision, and it would snap a picture of whatever, whenever something walked past deer or coyotes or whatever. Holmesy, she said, we have a lead. And because of the camera at the front gate, he couldn't have just driven off, I said. So either he climbed over his own wall, or he just walks straight through the woods down to the river and leaves from there, right? Yes. So he could have tripped on, tripped that camera. I mean, it's been a few years since I was there. Maybe it's gone. Or maybe it's not, Daisy said. Yeah, maybe it's not. Exit here, she said suddenly. And I did. I knew it was the wrong exit, but I took it anyway. And without... And without Daisy even telling me to do it, I knew it was the wrong exit, but I took it anyway. And without Daisy even telling me to, I got in the right lane to drive back to the city toward my house, towards Davis's house. Daisy took out her phone and raised it to her ear. Hey, Eric, it's Daisy. Listen, I'm really, really sorry, but I got the stomach flu. It could be a norovirus. Yeah, no problem. Sorry again. She hung up put her phone in her bag and said if you can if you even imply diarrhea they tell you to stay home because they're so scared of outbreaks <laughs> right right okay we're doing this you still got that canoe and that's the end